Well, short term, you're clearly seeing companies like NVIDIA truly benefiting, but I do think that this is a long-term structural trend that it's going to you know, take 10, 15 years to fully play out. What I would say to people about the AI bubble is that there are parallels to the Web 1 bubble. There are clear winners, okay? NVIDIA is a clear winner. Welcome to this year's two-part special. As 2023 comes to a close, a year that witnessed transformative shifts across various industries, there's one theme that stood out, artificial intelligence. Current forecasts predict that rapid advancements in AI could add $16 trillion to the global economy by 2030. So we want to take a closer look at why AI characterized 2023 and why a certain player, NVIDIA, took center stage in many of our interviews. To kick off, let's revisit an interview we did with GlobalX's Pedro Palangiani in June. I think not only for chip makers, to be honest with you, but for any company, period, I think AI is going to be completely transformational. In fact, I would say that by the end of the decade, there are, go- there are going to be two types of companies. One, companies that are using AI, embedding AI into their services operations, and two, companies that don't exist anymore. So I think that Generally speaking, for any successful rollout of AI technology today, you essentially need two key key ingredients. Number one, data, high-quality data. And number two, a compute power, hardware. And this is where uh, the chips maker are truly uh, positioned to benefit. Well, short-term, you're clearly seeing companies like NVIDIA truly benefiting, but I do think that this is a long-term structural trend that it's going to, you know, take 10, 15 years to fully play out. Uh, you know, before potentially answering the, the size of the market and where we're today and where we're going to be, uh, say, by the end of the decade, just want to perhaps quickly mention how we at Global X see the AI theme playing out. I think this it's going to be foundational for, for our conversation today. But essentially, we, we think about three different phases. Uh, one, compute or hardware, the, the one that you're uh, just uh, asking about. Second, it's going to be around infrastructure and data management. And the third phase or stage is going to be interface. So, you know, the, the, the compute is that base hardware layer for machine interaction. So essentially here, uh, the cheaper we can perform the design action or any action in, in terms of computing, the more scalable that you know availability of that action is going to be. So compute here is essentially going to be almost about cost efficiency, and that's usually been the, the history behind the semiconductor industry. So you can look back at a transformational period of, of paradigm shifts, technological paradigm shifts. So in compute, you had Intel that won uh, the so-called chip wars in the 80s and 90s because they had their uh, x86 chips uh, for personal computers. Then th- during the internet a, a paradigm shift, Cisco won essentially compute with their networking capabilities. TSMC during the smartphone revolution, right? They were the independent chip maker for Apple, Google, and a few other uh, smartphone manufacturers. So that's what's happening today with NVIDIA, uh, where it's it's becoming clearly 
that first company that gets recognized by the market, gets recognized by investors, and it's just uh, scratching the surface uh, of the opportunity. And of course, I know we're going to talk more about the other two stages uh, uh, later today, but the second stage, infrastructure, you have hyperscalers, clearly companies like AWS, Azure really winning the second stage. And the third stage is going to be interface, like I said before, this interface layer is essentially how consumers and businesses really experience this paradigm shift. So going back to my historical context, you had Microsoft that won um, during that personal computer uh, era with their uh, productivity suite. Uh, that was a company that, that was very well positioned. Google and Amazon won as the interfaces of that internet revolution. And then Apple really positioned themselves as the winners of the smartphone era. So all of those companies, if you think about it, these are the, the largest companies in the world today. So I think that interface layer is, is still to be um, a, perhaps uh, identified by investors and by the market. And I still, I, I believe that we still need to understand who are going to be the winners here. But I think that unlike prior paradigm shifts, um, these interface companies are going to be the ones that have already the, the technology-oriented relationships, and they're going to be able to drive top-line revenue growth rate uh, from, from these relationships, right? So if you agree with these hypotheses, essentially I'm suggesting two outcomes. Uh, number one, we're going to have a less number of IPOs or startups that actually position themselves as these market winners. And two, is actually going to be the incumbent companies, potentially software service companies like ServiceNow, Adobe, uh, Salesforce, and a few others that position themselves as these uh, interface winners in this AI era. So that's a lot of historical context, but going back to the chip makers, you know, this is today for... AI accelerators. This is a 20 to $30 billion market that's expected to grow to $100 billion just within the next couple of years. Now that we've explored the size and growth potential of the AI market, let's move on to another interview we did in October with Anthony Scaramucci, founder and managing partner of Skybridge Capital. Anthony reflected on the possibility of an AI bubble, drawing parallels with the dot-com bubble in the late 90s. Drawing from his experience, he encouraged investors to consider the transformative potential of AI despite short-term fluctuations. Anthony stressed the importance of holding on to investments in AI stocks for the long term, comparing it to the success stories of Microsoft, Google, and Facebook in the internet era. Notably, he singled out NVIDIA as a clear winner. Are we in an AI bubble? Yeah, I mean, look, we won't know until after the fact. We probably are in an AI bubble. Uh, of course, I'm getting old now, so I can tell you when we were in a Web 1 bubble. Uh, after the fact, we all felt it. It was uh, March of 2000 where the NASDAQ cratered and went down probably 65-ish plus percent over the ensuing months. I hate this story because it doesn't reflect well on me, but I'll tell it anyway. I, I went to a meeting. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos gave a presentation and he said, you know, you guys are measuring me as an internet bookseller. It was 1999. And so I was like ecstatic. I said, okay, I got to go buy this stock. And then the next person to speak was Warren Buffett. He came on the stage and said, oh, Jeff Bezos is a nice, lovely young man. Uh, but uh, let me just say this to you. Uh, his internet bookseller is worth more than the storied Sears Roebuck. Of course, Sears is now out of business, by the way. Yeah. And then Mr. Buffett proceeded to say that he was burning money for 10 years and it was a technology stock and anything could derail it. And so I never bought the stock. 
Okay. But let me just say this. If you put $10,000 into that stock the day that I had heard that presentation, which was in 1999, mm-hmm. and you stayed with it until 2023 at $14 million in your account. And so what I would say to people about the AI bubble is that there are parallels to the Web 1 bubble. Yeah. There are clear winners. Okay, NVIDIA is a... NVIDIA is a clear winner, okay? And so it may be up, it may be down, it could get cut by 50% once the quote-unquote bubble bursts. But I'm willing to bet you if you hold that stock for 15 years, if you're brave enough, you'll be very well served. So we probably are in a bubble, but that shouldn't dissuade people from getting a toehold in that group of stocks or thinking about the future that way because it is going to transform us. Somebody said to me that uh, Web 1 was going to transform us. And everyone looked around back in 1996, 97 and rolled their eyes and said, this is a clunky piece of machinery. But look at where it is today. You know, let's say I had, uh, you know, let's say I had been back to my younger version of myself. In 1998, I was sitting at a fat box computer with a dial-up internet modem. And somebody came to me from 2023 and said, hey, 25 years later, you're going to be having a smart computer in the palm of your hand. You're going to have access to the world's information. And oh, by the way, you're going to be able to stream. There'll be billions of people streaming 4K video. And there'll be billions and billions of dollars of transactions happening over this thing known as the Internet. So we have to remember there's great progress in our societies and there's incremental progress. Mm -hmm. But just think about where the Internet was in 98 Mm -hmm. with 4% saturation in the global market. Think about where it is 25 short years later. And if you were brave enough to invest in things like Microsoft and Google and eventually Facebook and those others, you did very, very well. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for investors to apply that context to AI. Yeah, absolutely. But when you think about AI stocks as a category, do you think about companies like NVIDIA as, as a semiconductor mm-hmm. manufacturer? Do you think about big tech or do you think about adjacent industries even like cloud security, etc.? Mm-hmm. Are these all good investments or do you target a particular niche? So Chad GBT was not yet public. Uh, you, you can get a pass-through investment in that through something like Microsoft. Uh, Google has its own AI. Facebook has its own AI. Obviously, NVIDIA is, is basically making the brain for AI. Okay, it's making the circuitry. And so I think all of these things are good investments. Uh, you're asking about cloud computing. It's a little off the definition for me for AI. Sure. But I get why cloud computing has been so successful. Uh, We're about to launch a Skybridge-based AI ETF, which is basically looks like the portfolio of stocks that we've purchased personally. Uh, And so my research team and the people that are allocating capital here at Skybridge are building a uh, portfolio of publicly traded securities that are linked to artificial intelligence that will be grouped into an ETF. And what's different about that grouping versus the current AI ETFs that are out there, you more or less brought this up. You know, there's too much Microsoft and there's too much cloud computing and there's too much of that. This will be more focused on what is directly publicly traded that you can access right now in the AI space. 
Rewatching this clip served as a reminder to watch out for the launch of a Skybridge AI ETF in early 2024. But let's move on to another interview we did with Arellas Augusto, Senior Healthcare Innovation Analyst at GlobalX. In this interview, Arellas highlighted AI's potential to revolutionize the healthcare industry. Healthcare is the largest data-generating industry in the world. AI and machine learning are enabling the decoding of this information to enhance drug discovery, improve patient interactions, potentially revolutionizing disease treatment with the onset of personalized medicine. Arellas discussed how this presents a significant opportunity for NVIDIA, emphasizing the need for digitization in the healthcare sector the, the um, work being done by non-traditional healthcare companies to improve the healthcare system. Um, NVIDIA was present talking about their sort of potential for artificial intelligence and drug discovery, which we'll get into in a second. We can sort of ha- offer genomic profiling to the entire world. We can't really garner the full potential of the technology if we don't have a way to actually analyze and collect all this data. Currently, unfortunately, again, it's either not uh, sort of prevalent enough or we don't have the computing power to actually sort of process all of the sort of benefit of genomic sequencing. And this is where really NVIDIA sees potential. Utilizing a lot of this technology, particularly to drive drug discovery, essentially having information from electronic medical records, genomic profiling, clinical trial data, prescription data, et cetera, to sort of feed into uh, sort of models to help predict a better efficacy for drugs, uh, a better safety profile for drugs, drugs that can actually serve multiple purposes. I mean, when we think about sort of the, the potential for NVIDIA, that, again, significant opportunity across the board. Um, I will say healthcare is an industry that, that um, an industry that significantly is in, in need of technology like NVIDIA or, or companies like NVIDIA paying attention to it. I, again, I will say it's sort of a longer time frame for them to be widely adopted. Um, they, for example, note that 0% of current drugs going into clinical treatment. So being investigated through um, artificial intelligence or machine learning models and in animals, for example, before being tested in, in humans, um, zero percent of the treatments going into inhuman clinical trials are currently done with artificial intelligence they predict that number to be 30 percent by 2025 um so again significant potential for them to to, to grow um but again i think there'll be a lot of back-end work whether it is in terms of their genomic uh, sort of role and, and uh, being able to sort of comprehend and analyze all genomic data coming about um but again more broadly being able to analyze electronic medical records prescription data etc the more comprehensive uh of analysis we have at the onset of, of sort of drug discovery, again, the more efficacious drugs will actually be when they go into inhuman clinical trials. So um, whether it's going to be a, sort of a, a revenue generating opportunity for NVIDIA is no doubt. Uh, frankly, I still think that the opportunity is, is um, sort of underestimated, again, given the sort of digitization that needs to happen in the healthcare industry as a whole and the potential that they have. Um, but but we're very excited to see what, what comes about. And then just again, to put this into context, less than a tenth of a percent of the human population so far has gotten their genome sequenced. Again, when the when we're already saying that sort of the computing power for the industry isn't enough to actually analyze the genomic data that we have, less than a tenth of a percent of the human population. When we sort of increase this significantly and make this available to patients across the board, and that infrastructure from companies like NVIDIA needs to be there for us to actually make all of this sort of adoption worth it. Um, so again, very excited to see sort of the, the role that NVIDIA continues to play in the industry. Most of our guests are bullish on NVIDIA, it seems. Even our macro expert, Jens Nordvig, discussed NVIDIA's pivotal role in the AI landscape during our conversation in late November. He highlighted its explosive growth and performance, despite ongoing debates surrounding NVIDIA's valuation, 
If the company continues to grow at this pace, Jens believes its current high valuation will make sense in the future. Jens went on to discuss a possible inflection point in the AI market, marked by the shortage of high-powered chips, creating opportunities for competition. He also explored the challenges competitors face in entering the market and the importance of data access for AI companies. NVIDIA is the company that has sort of really put AI on the radar of everybody who is involved in the stock market, right? Because we've seen such incredible earnings uh, performance and incredible uh, stock market performance from that company. And uh, we continue to see them delivering on their explosive growth. Right. So um, when a company grows uh, key segments 30 percent per quarter, um, you say, OK, that's a high growth company. But, but what's really unusual about NVIDIA is that it's a very, very large company. Right. It's not like some company that started yesterday and they're ramping up their sales. Uh, it's a huge, huge company. And they live it once again in the latest earnings release. Right. So. It is it is amazing when you when you look at the performance of that stock, right? That um, and I've done I've done a number of polls on on Twitter throughout this year where I said, okay, would you like rather like it to trade Nvidia short or long? And lots of people want to, to trade that stock short, right? Uh, because the valuation looks extreme. But if you have a company where um, uh, earnings uh, are, are, are moving up very dramatically and, and the headline sales growth is is 30% a quarter, the valuation can change very quickly. So what used to be a 50 PE stock becomes a 20 PE stock pretty quickly, right? So it's all about whether how long you think that growth can continue. And, um, and also, obviously, whether... Uh, they're going to get competition from from different companies. Actually, the whole debacle we've gotten around OpenAI in the last few weeks, I think, is related to that, right? Because some of the leadership within OpenAI, I'm not going to mention names, <laughs> but let's just say some of the leadership had um, um, ideas about producing chips on their own, right? Because the, the real bottleneck now in terms of training systems using these incredibly large data sets has to do with the sheer processing power, right? And uh, mm. and we have a shortage of the yeah. most high uh, power chips and that's why uh, NVIDIA can, can charge the prices they have been charging, right? So we are definitely at an inflection point where um, uh, lots of players will try to come in and grab that market share, right? But it is not it is not something you do from one day to the other, like producing a whole uh, new generation of chips and getting them in mass scale production is, is, is very hard to do. So I think NVIDIA has a window, and I think it's very hard to say that the, the clear market leader in this space is an overvalued stock. Like we can have discussion about um, is the valuation extreme? How long will their growth continue, right? But if they continue to grow for a couple of years at this pace, it's not an expensive stock. So it's, it's just a matter of how long you think they can maintain that leadership position. I don't think, I don't think there's any doubt that the AI market overall is going to continue to grow tremendously. Like yeah. um, you, uh, I speak to CEOs uh, all the time 
uh, where uh, we in, in a market reader context, right, use AI in a very practical way. Like we've generated a system where we can explain why markets are moving in real time, right? And mm. we get that uh, type of, of insight in front of users in a way that has not been seen before. And we couldn't do that without AI. Like even just the, the presentational aspect of using language rather than math to convey uh, um, insights is very, very powerful. Like there's a reason why there's a reason why Twitter became a, a we're not allowed to call it Twitter anymore, but the application phone are known as Twitter. There's a reason why that was very popular, right? Because people really like to ingest these bite-sized pieces of text. And it is totally different from having like a couple of statistics thrown out at you, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So AI is very powerful in that regard. All kinds of, of uh, large corporations that we speak to have uh, AI as the key investment focus, right? But it's going to be a multi-year process, right? It's not something that is over in the next couple of quarters. I think a lot of people are experimenting, ramping up. And then when they find a kind of fit in an area, they're going to say, okay, now we're going to go aggressive. Maybe here we're going to do our own training, right? So um, there's some leaders that are clearly investing very, very hard. You know, the big people in the space that have spent billions of dollars on, on training their models, Google, Meta, obviously OpenAI, Microsoft uh, separately, uh, Amazon. But there are lots of other big corporations that want to do their own work, do their own training, and they're going to need processing power. And uh, that's going to be a multi-year process because I think a lot of what's going on at this point is experimentation. And the big investments are going to come once the initial results of the experimentation has come through. And that's why it's going to be a very drawn out multi-year process. We hope you enjoyed those clips. We handpicked them to present different perspectives on the implications and opportunities AI presents, from its overarching impact on industries to specific applications in healthcare and reflections on its investment potential. We left a couple of key questions regarding AI's wider impact on the global economy. Firstly, in light of AI's efficiency improvements, do you foresee a direct correlation between these gains and an increase in overall demand for goods and services? Secondly, how do you view the relationship between AI-generated profits and economic inequality? In the second part of our 2023 special, which will come out on January 4th, we'll discuss possible answers to these questions. A happy holiday season and happy new year. Catch you in 2024.